0: Getter is the new social media platform with the mission of fighting cancel culture, defending free speech, and challenging big tech. Great technology, lively conversation, and an active community have propelled Getter's rise to become the fastest-growing social media platform of all time. Try it yourself at www.getter.com. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics, life and culture. My name is Freddie Gray. I'm the deputy editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Andrew Bacevich, who is author of After the Apocalypse, America's role in a world transformed. He's also president of the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft and a contributing editor to the spectator world. And we are going to be talking, of course, about Afghanistan. Andy, yesterday we published uh, sooner than we were anticipating publishing because the collapse of the Afghan state has been so quick. Uh, Your excellent piece, which is a sort of autopsy of America's failure in the Middle East and at war generally, I think it's fair to say, in recent decades. Can I just ask, firstly, as an American how you're feeling today. You've written about this subject a lot. Are you feeling as humiliated as, as, as a lot of people seem to be?
1: Humiliated is a good word. And I think uh, emotionally uh, taken aback. And frankly, to a far greater extent than I would have expected. I have no you know, direct personal investment in the Afghanistan war. I never served in Afghanistan. My son, who was a soldier, never served in Afghanistan. But I, this this thing has hit me uh, uh, like like a ton of bricks. I, I think, like many of us, I feel very badly uh, for the people of Afghanistan. I feel very badly uh, for the soldiers, and they weren't just American soldiers; they're British soldiers uh, who served there and have to look back on their service and say well, what the hell was that all about? Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm frankly bummed out.
0: Yes. And let's talk about moral responsibility because it's the, it's the big question. It, what is America's moral responsibility to Afghanis today? Uh, I mean, uh, I, clearly, a lot of people are saying that clearly America should be responsible for the people that helped in its project to create a state in Afghanistan, and now are at risk. To what extent do you think America has to, f- to be responsible for consequences of its war?
1: Well, to a considerable extent, but I think it's important not to uh, imply that, like, we own this thing. It, if, if we simply examine the, the war that began in 2001, yes, uh, the United States has played a leading role, the leading role, in this effort to uh, pacify the country and build some kind of a functioning state. But we were not by far the only people there. So if there's a moral responsibility to deal with the the mess uh, that we have helped to make, it's not simply ours. What, what what does that moral responsibility mean in practical terms? You've already touched on one of the key issues of providing a sanctuary, a protection, escape uh, to those who worked with us. Uh, over the course of the past 20 years, that's happening. Uh, Sadly, it's clearly happening in kind of a too little, too late uh, sort of approach. I think beyond there, the larger question is, uh, deals with the moral responsibility uh, to address the larger Afghan population, which is going to be arguably, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, uh, badly affected. You know, when the Soviets invaded back in 79, one consequence was a massive uh, refugee uh, problem. I think it numbered into millions of Afghans who ended up primarily in Pakistan and in Iran. It's certainly reasonable to expect something like that is going to happen. Who's going to foot the bill uh, to provide for at least minimal accommodations, protection, uh, life support? For those refugees, and the answer has to be that the United States must play a uh, a very significant a leadership role. It has to be out front. Uh, Whether that's going to happen, I don't know. Many people making uh, comparisons with uh, Vietnam. Some are appropriate, some are not appropriate. Uh, But I mean, one of the things I remember from Vietnam is when that fell apart. American people basically wanted to wash their hands of the entire uh, escapade. I hope that does not happen this time around.
0: Well, President uh, Joe Biden is taking quite a lot of political flack at the moment for this hasty uh, retreat that seems to have, well, nobody inside the Pentagon seems to have realised quite how fast uh, the state would collapse. And certainly Biden was, was ill-advised uh, on this, it would seem, judging from his statements as as, re- as recently as a few weeks ago, he was saying that what has happened would not happen. How much blame do you think we can apportion to him as president and perhaps in in his role as a a senator before and a vice president beforehand?
1: Well, I think it's very appropriate to hold him responsible for the mismanagement of the U.S. uh, military withdrawal. Uh, He owns that. He's the commander-in-chief. I think where we go wrong is... And this, this, I think, is an indictment of much of the media reporting. Where we go wrong is somehow pretending that, that the collapse of the events of the past couple of weeks, that that's the story. I can understand why people think that. The human interest angle here is is immense. But I think the real story is why over the course of 20 years uh, did this war go so badly. And I think The answer there is that the United States and its partners, uh, first of all, set out to achieve objectives that were utterly unrealistic, given the circumstances, and then over the course of 20 years, botched it. Uh, And they botched, probably probably the the biggest example of botching the war in Afghanistan was the United States deciding in 2003 uh, to start a war in Iraq. Uh, so we had uh, two wars going on. Iraq got the great preponderance of attention. You know, uh, Afghanistan became the uh, uh, the ugly stepsister in terms of American wars. But you know, I mean it, it, it. It's it's not a it's not a story that began two weeks ago. It's a story that began twenty years ago. And I wish that the media was was taking a longer view than is mostly the case. Well, there was that uh, transitional phase from Bush to
0: Obama, and of course Vice President Biden came in with Obama, where Obama would talk about Afghanistan almost as though Afghanistan was the good war that was worth fighting and Iraq was the bad war that we had to get out of. That, in hindsight, seems to have been quite a foolish approach.
1: I think that that was, uh, no question in my mind, that that was driven by American domestic politics. Uh, that uh, in many respects, it, to some degree, we can explain Obama's election because he was the one candidate who was able to say, I opposed the Iraq war from the outset. The Iraq war was a mistake. He, e- even his fellow Democrats, like Biden, like Hillary Clinton, like John Kerry, uh, had all supported the war, at least for some period of time. So, so that was a, a, a politically a shrewd position to take, and you know, to, to sort of make the claim that, as you suggested, if the Iraq war is the bad war, Afghanistan's the good war, elect me, I'm gonna win the war in Afghanistan. He becomes president, he makes a stab, one might say it was kind of a half-hearted stab at turning things around in Afghanistan. You remember it was, uh, I'll get my dates wrong, 2010, uh, when we increased the U.S. military commitment and U.S. alone mm. up to soldiers, uh, a hundred thousand soldiers, albeit a commitment that Obama himself said was time limited, you know, we're 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 going to escalate, but only for a while. And that campaign didn't produce any more positive outcome than anything that we did before, or anything that we've done uh, since. I think the the point of that uh, little anecdote is it, it helps to emphasize the extent to which it is misguided uh, to saddle Biden, President Biden, the current commander in chief, misguided to saddle him with sole responsibility for this uh, catastrophe. I'm reminded of that famous saying by, uh, by Kennedy, remember that uh, you know, vic- victory has a, has a thousand uh, appearance uh, and defeat is an orphan. Uh, yeah. That's what uh, Biden is finding out right now. He owns the orphan uh, but it's that's uh, not really appropriate. It's, I mean, it, it it gets in the way of our understanding of how the heck did we come uh, to this uh, to this point? Well, one group of people, I think politicians, it is
0: perhaps easy to blame politicians in the, in the moment. And of course, every president from Bush, particularly Bush onwards, deserves some blame. But uh, another group of people, I would say, uh, that does deserve some blame or I would suggest to you might deserve some blame are the highly politicized generals in the American military who repeatedly over the years told us that progress was being made, that the Afghan army was was beginning to stand on its own two feet, and either they were blind or they were deluding themselves or they were outright lying.
1: You know, there's an anecdote that's been told about the war. Uh, You know, a a unit deploys uh, to Afghanistan takes over some area of operations, commander assesses the situation, reports to higher headquarters, my God, is this a mess? I'm gonna fix it. Then over the course of a tour of duty, whether it's six months, eight months, one year, it gets to the end and the commander reports, boss, we've turned it around. We're we're headed in the right direction. He leaves, new commander comes in, assesses the situation, Immediately reports to higher headquarters. My God, it's worse than I thought. So we 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 fought this twenty-year uh, war, uh, you know, like uh, in bits and pieces. Uh, each bit offered an opportunity for the commanders on the ground to report progress, uh, which turned out to be an illusion. But to your point, yeah, the military also owns this thing. It will be interesting uh, as we see the commentary unfold over the next uh, couple of weeks or a few months, it'll be interesting to see whether or not any of these senior military officers uh, are willing to own up to the extent to their to, to to their own responsibility. My guess is they won't, that they'll find, and, and it would not be the first time in history that this happens. My guess is that they'll try to tag Biden with uh, sole responsibility. We'll see if they get away with it.
0: Is the problem that the, the military's role became blurred and it, it turned it all in Iraq to a certain extent as well, it, it became a humanitarian operation on top of a military operation?
1: You know, I, uh, I had occasion the other day, I wish I could find it here on my desk, to, to go back and review the text issued at the end of the bond conference. Uh, in December of 2001 that's when the united states and its partners got together and uh, this is when they identified karzai uh, as our you know our chosen leader for afghanistan and this is where they settled on a set of objectives for what the war was supposed to uh, accomplish the, the war that is just now beginning to unfold the objectives are incredible national reconciliation you know, uh, rights for women, uh, democracy. I mean, uh, uh, wonderful uh, notions that basically have never existed in Afghanistan. But we, with our partners, to include, of course, the United Kingdom, uh, thought that in 2001 we were going to we we're going to do all this. We're going to re- we're going bi- to we're going to build we're going to modernize this nation and endow it with uh, Western values. Well, obviously, that was foolish. And as time goes along, of course, the actual objectives get uh, reduced in scope. By the time we got to, frankly, Biden's presidency, the the objective is see if we can negotiate a deal with the enemy, with the Taliban, uh, which will enable us to leave with some fragment of of dignity still intact. And, And we didn't even get that done. So I think a basis of understanding how this went wrong is to appreciate the extent that our objectives for Afghanistan early on were wildly uh, inappropriate. And then you add to that, you know the, the, the lack of understanding of, uh, of the Afghan culture, the uh, frankly, uh, this is not a shot at the UK, many of the coalition partners that participated in this uh, did so somewhat half-heartedly and so it's a, on paper, it was an impressive coalition of several dozen countries, not necessarily impressive in terms of what happens in the field, and on and on. So there's all kinds of explanations. And my really bottom line is, we need to, we need to study those explanations and not simply get hung up on where Biden made his mistakes. Another aspect, possibly, is that
0: uh, aid, on, on top of the enormous military expenditure, there was a similarly enormous expenditure on aid. And one has to ask what this aid actually did. I haven't been to Afghanistan, but I went to a town in Muranshah, which is in the kind of tribal regions of Pakistan, which was, it, it, it's built entirely by US aid money. And it really felt like a kind of Potemkin town that they just sort of showed visitors. And it must have cost enormous sums of money. And I, I understand there are parts of Afghanistan which were like that. Does this idea that we just throw aid money at At these problems, and somehow they will magically transform themselves. Is that to blame?
1: Yes. So, roughly uh, 10 years ago, uh, Congress created an office called the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. The acronym is SIGAR. SIGAR has been reporting on reconstruction efforts for years now. And tomorrow they are releasing what in effect is a final report on lessons learned. Reports. The text is embargoed till till tomorrow, but I've read it. It's an extraordinary indictment. Uh, It's an indictment that says we never had a plausible strategy. We, we, that is to say, the international community engaged in this this nation-building effort. It says that we had no understanding of local conditions. It says that the people hired to do the job, or focusing on Americans, tended to be incompetent. And the competent ones left after a year. Frankly, they, they had their money and it was time to go home. So it is a, a searing indictment of the shortcomings of the effort. So so we have we have shortcomings in the military arena. You know, A war against the Taliban badly conducted, badly conducted in part because of the uh, inability of the coalition to to create effective Afghan security forces. And alongside that, we have incompetence when it comes to undertaking this reconstruction effort. Both together yield the failure that we are seeing uh, unfold before our eyes. Is there a room
0: for optimism in that America's humiliation in Vietnam did lead to a sort of reappraisal of, of what foreign policy goals are? Is there a possibility now that the hubris that we saw after 9-11, the kind of end of history thinking, has now been so thoroughly proven wrong that America might have 20 years of more sensible foreign policy?
1: Too soon to say, I think. The American public appears to be quite chastened. opinion polls asking Americans, what what do you think about staying longer in Afghanistan? The answer is a resounding hell no. The American people are done with this war. But I I think what remains to be seen is the response of policy elites. When I say policy elites, I I mean the people in Congress, for example, the people who would like to be the next president, the people who would like to be the next secretary of state, but it's also you know, the policy intellectuals who inhabit think tanks, uh, you know, who write for uh, the, the quarterly journals in London or, or in New York. The, the notion that we are the indispensable nation, the notion, and I say we, I mean the United States, that, that we are chosen, that there is no alternative to American leadership, that, that the United States must remain the strongest military power on the planet. These notions are so deeply embedded, I think, in and around Washington that I have to wonder if even a a setback of this magnitude will dislodge those uh, inclinations. And that's where your reference to Vietnam is I think entirely appropriate. That was a debacle. I mean, in many respects, I think in every respect, it was a bigger debacle than the one that's occurring right now. But you're exactly right, the impact of Vietnam in the policy community was, was brief and modest. We didn't learn a hell of a lot. So whether or not we'll actually learn from, and let's, let's admit, it's, it, learned from our failure in Afghanistan, learn from, if it's not a failure, it sure wasn't a victory uh, in Iraq. Will the experiences of the past 20 years lead to a different mindset in, in the policy elites? I simply don't know. You talk in your, in your excellent
0: piece about the, the, the almost the absurdity of these situations in in Vietnam and Afghanistan where you have entire military vast military operations happening with nobody outside having a real clue what is going on or what the what the wider purpose is. And you talked about your your experience of Vietnam. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Well yeah, I mean I as as an old guy whose military service is now uh, quite distant. I I think I have come to uh, a better appreciation of how military institutions have a hard time at thinking. They're much better at doing, and what they like to do is what they've always done. Uh, they, they, They flourish. On the, and the implementation of repetitive and routine tasks and whether or not those tasks actually make sense, uh, whether or not they, they, they move the ball closer to the goal line uh, is, of, is of lesser importance than we're doing what we know how to do. And I know that happened in Vietnam. I saw it. I believe that has also happened in Afghanistan. And it's an indictment of of military institutions uh, and the inability they have to, at least the difficulty they have. The practicalities of the mission shape shape behavior. I just read a review in the London Review of Books about a new book uh, of, 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 of the British Army in Iraq savage indictment of the shortcomings of the British Army's performance. And it's as I at least read the review, I've not read the book, I sense something of the same. A well-established institution with a well-established identity. You know, this is who we are. This is what we do. Sallying forth into this confused, complicated, hostile environment and simply doing what it knew how to do. Uh, and therefore screwing everything up and I'm not picking on the British army. I think that's what the American army has, uh, has likewise done. And I think Afghanistan is a case in point.
0: There's a lot of talk uh, now about how China will uh, inevitably fill the greater power vacuum left behind by America and that perhaps we should no longer be talking about the Middle East, but we should be talking about West Asia as a sphere of influence. Is that an idea or a prospect that alarms
1: you? No, I think I'd say, go for it, gang. You got it. Uh, if, you wanna, if, you wanna, if you wanna make Afghanistan your project, please take over. Uh, I think it's implausible. I, I don't pretend to have any insights into the Chinese leadership. My sense is they're pretty darn savvy, prudent, in, not inclined to engage in reckless escapades. Also think that uh, despite the fact that certainly China is, is the emerging power on the planet, uh, let's remember that there are, are a number of other actors around Afghanistan that have interests there. Pakistan, of course, above all, uh, but Russia, uh, Iran, uh, India—these are not insignificant countries. So, uh, you know, if, if some Chinese strategists said, "Okay, the Americans are out of Afghanistan. Let's go. It's ours," uh, I think the Chinese would probably be in for a bit of a of a of a surprise in that regard. The real interesting point here is that uh, given that the mess that the Americans have made and are leaving in their way, what's the likelihood of Afghanistan's neighbors collectively finding some way to contain the damage? Now, if they chose to do so, it wouldn't be because they like us, uh, it would be because containing the damage uh, would ser- serve their own interests. I hope that'll happen. I have no reason to expect that it will, but I think it would be a positive development.
0: Well, Andy, I think we'll end it there. But thank you so much uh, for joining us and thank you for writing uh, so many excellent pieces for The Spectator.
1: My pleasure.